Welcome to Ghostman Radio Station, and today night my guest is Art Geyser, Geyser, sorry, and he has a, got a very unique background, and he's going to tell me a little bit about it. So, Art, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. So, um, I, I like to say to people that I, I do woo-woo without the woo-woo. So, I have a background... Um, since I was little, I was always interested in science, but also in the powers of the unconscious mind and telepathy and ESP. And I actually was a medical researcher for years. And then in the early 80s, I discovered NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, and if people haven't heard of that, they've heard of the most famous person in our field, who is Tony Robbins. And yeah, he has his own way of doing things in the whole rah-rah. But the core of his power to change people's lives comes from NLP. And um, I've been a trainer in that since 85. And but early on, I realized when I combined that with spiritual principles and healing and transformative energy work, uh, particularly remote energy work, um, the already incredible results we get through NLP got even better. So I created what I call energetic NLP, where I bring together some of the best of NLP, spiritual principles, intuition development, and healing and transformative energy work. That's interesting. Now, um, um, here's the final first questions. What is energetic NLP and quick methods? Well, um... As I was saying, like NLP, this neuro linguistic programming is one big part of, of energetic NLP. And NLP was developed uh, starting in the 70s here in California by people who were trying to create a more rapid way for personal change. At, at the time, most of psychiatry, people would talk about you'd have to be in uh, therapy for five years, ten years, more. And, what they realized was there were some therapists who got really rapid results with people. So they started, t- you know, videotaping them and studying them. And back in those days, videotaping, you had this huge machine that was like here on your phone. And they developed theories about how you can do rapid person change. And then they started going, well, use it also for skills development and use it for that. And, um, and so... psychic medium or not am I just going left to field uh, no no I I, I I plead guilty to those descriptions I don't use the word psychic a lot just because people think of somebody you know with a crystal ball and a turban who has a little office somewhere in London you know, psychic readings but uh, yeah it, you know, I'll say intuition development but I mean psychic readings and mediumship and a lot of people don't realize there's something like 1,600 scientific studies on different kind of energy work and telepathy and all of this. So there is actually quite a good scientific body of evidence that all of this is real. And I think a lot of people think, look, just because it's old, it's all superstition. I remember years and years ago, my mother 
those getting arthritis and on those fingers. She went to the doctors and they never reported some shots, but it, it was only helping a little bit. And I woke up and I knew she healed me on that. And I started working on her finger and she goes, it's getting hot. And she goes, well, it's not swollen and, and I can use it. And she went, all that stuff about which doctors came, some of it was true. So, um, a lot of people think it's not scientific because they isn't all explained yet by science. But that's the saying, um, uh, neutrinos weren't scientific or relativity wasn't scientific or gravity isn't scientific if people don't understand it or only recently have understood it. So to me, it's not about, you don't have to adopt any particular philosophy and you don't have to get extremely out there in the world. I mean, it's fine people want that. There's a, a real scientific basis for it. And we know now that the human beings have energy fields, and that is part of medicine now. They can measure some of them. And people like you would say that there's a whole lot of them that are not measured yet. But that we have energy fields for a lot of these can put out light, you know, and electromagnetic radiation. So it's no longer just out there in old superstitious ideas. Well, I used to do martial arts and a lot of martial arts is based on energy from, you know, driving energy from the ground or driving it through the body through to extend the power. So it's, it's, and I also know that years ago, I think the Russians and the Americans were looking into psychic power and how to develop for not the right reasons, I'd say. Yeah. Well, the, the Russians did quite a bit, even uh, much more than we did. And uh, in fact, years ago, I worked with some Russian scientists who moved to the U.S. I had spoken at a conference, and I, at that conference, I was just speaking about NLP. I wasn't even speaking about the energy work. And this woman waited until everybody was gone, and she had a thick Russian accent. She went, you know anything about subtle energy? And I went, yes, why? And she goes, well, you were using it during your talk. And I went... Yes, and it turned out her husband was a scientist from the Soviet Union who moved to the U.S. by these energy machines that were incredibly powerful. Um, you can dial in different frequencies. They had a different effects on people. So there is uh, a lot more scientific evidence than people think, but a lot of it gets suppressed. Either it is the military government wants to use it or... Uh, the problem in, in like scientific journals is they're afraid that they'll get made fun of like by on Fox News and stuff. So they don't they don't want to print anything like that. Uh, because they, they know they'll get attacked. In fact, I spoke in London one time, there was a reporter from the Times and she came up to me at the end and she goes, I love what you're doing, it's really powerful. She goes, I'd love to write it up, but they won't print it inside your book. Well, it's a bit like religion, isn't it? Because when you think about it, we every religion you know uses a form of prayer as such, and prayer is like our thoughts going out to a being or someone that we love or someone we know is in in danger or needs our energy, and sometimes people say. Oh, thank you for that. I felt that today. And you're thinking, now, I know some people are going to say perhaps it's a placebo effect because there is that 
effect, as you know. It can happen. But I think it has to be a two-way sword. If you're willing to listen and you're willing to think, yeah, perhaps this will work. I think it's more likely to work whatever you do than if someone's going to be totally cynical about it. Do you disagree with that? Uh, I, I agree with oh, with most of it. Um, and I love that you use prayer as an example because you know, some very conservative people go, I don't believe in energy work, but they'll pray for somebody. Now, you know, they believe that's going through God, but they're still believing that there are invisible forces at work. And in terms of the placebo effect, when you do that kind of work, people don't know ahead of time. So uh, actually somebody in the UK once heard someone was having a lot of trouble in school. And one of my sponsors who sponsored my programs in London um, said to her, like, well, you know, I'll ask Art to work on your son if, if you want, you know, if you're open to it. And I actually have a video testimony on this. And, and the woman's like, yeah, you know, she thought it was kind of wacky, but why not? And she didn't tell the son, and we didn't tell her when I was going to do it. And she forgot about it. So I did work on the son, and then later, uh, the woman recommended her, <coughs> and she goes, I'll make up a name, you know, how is that Alan doing in school? And she goes, Holly's doing incredibly better, and he's more adjusted. And she goes, when did that start? And the woman gave her a date, and she goes, well, I had artwork on him, and that's when I had artwork on him. And so, you know, it can't be placebo effect because the mother didn't know when, the son didn't know when. I just thought it being a bit important to put that in, because there will be people who may question that. I think it's, a, yeah. No, no, I, I totally agree, and I think it's very important, because... When people know they're getting energy work done, just like when, uh, like I say, I was a medical researcher for 11 years, when, whenever people know about it, there's always a placebo effect, and it's very important to look at. So I, I'm really glad you brought it up. I just wanted to point out, just as in medicine, there's ways that you can do it that people don't know. And so then the can't be placebo effect is they don't know. And like I say, in this case, because the mother had known, and he didn't and that neither of them did. So, uh, have a lot of examples like that. Yeah. Whatever the explanation is, it can't be placebo effect. It's, you have to know it can't be placebo effect. Fair enough. Um, share a system for personal transformation to help you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Call this quite a question, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, the question was what again? Share a system. For personal transformation to help you mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Yeah, so I, I believe that energetic energy works on all those levels. And I always like to put the caveat on, because I was a researcher for the University of California, that I can't prove the physical part. I mean, I hear, you know, I have plenty of people telling me it made a difference physically, but I don't have scientific studies. But we believe the work, we know it works emotionally, we know it works unconsciously, we know it works consciously, because that's easy to, to validate. Um, and we know nowadays that even if you just work on those levels, it affects you physically. Right? When I was a medical researcher, I, I did that like from 74 to about 85, and it was funny, there were still doctors back then. A lot of them thought differently, but there were still a lot of doctors who didn't believe emotions had anything to do with health. And I go, people have known for thousands of years that emotions affect your health. It's like, 
how do you, it's so, you know, it's so obvious, we see it in people all the time. And, um, and of course now, medicine recognizes it as being a very powerful factor. Um, but I believe that energetic being works for people on all of those levels. I think so as well, as I said before. I think there's lots of things out there that we're tapping into more now. I think more, I think pre-pandemic, we were sort of half interested. And now we've had the pandemic and people have gone, oh, is that really my life? Is that all there is to it? And then suddenly we've gone, well, actually, I don't want to do that life anymore. I want to see what I can really do with my life. What can I put back in it? What can I do to help? Even if it's the most smallest of things. I'm a great believer it doesn't have to be the most gigantic, you know, thing possible. But like you say, you start small. It's amazing, as you said, you can develop. Like this program, you developed it from, like, nothing to what it is now. Well, and, and anybody... You know, there used to be this whole thing that, like, oh, only a few people had these magical abilities. It turns out, like, everybody has the abilities. And what you said about starting small, I mean, uh, that is so important. Uh, some years ago now, but remember a colleague of mine is really a very wise person. One time he goes, Art, you know, you discount anything that these small changes. And you should be so much further along in life that you're always looking for the big change. And you're not appreciating the little changes, which would have added up to something much bigger by now. And I remember when he said that, I, you know, I, I could feel the truth of it. So what you just said, I, I just want to emphasize it for the listeners. For those of us that are always looking for the big change, it, it's like an investment. Um, uh, you know, there's people that invested smartly when they were very young and just went for little changes. You know, now they're multimillionaires, you know, and other people were like trying to make a fortune on the stock market in three months, you know, and crashed and burned, so. I think you burn out quicker that way as well. I think if your expectations are too high, sometimes you can let yourself down more than the people that you let down. Oh, I, again, that's something I really emphasize in my programs you know, too, is that uh, in, in NLP, we would call it evidence of progress. So people get so focused on the big goal that they they don't appreciate all the little evidence of progress. So we do a lot of work on it because, um, you know, as you're saying, it's just so important when you... And the other thing, you just you get burned out. If, it's like people writing a book, they'll get started and they go, oh my God, I got another 200 pages to write, rather than going, well, I wrote 10. You know, and prolific writers are the ones going, oh, I wrote 10, oh, I wrote 11, oh, I wrote 12. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do it. I've, I've found out if I do things I like to do, I put more effort into it. And if I do things I don't really want to do, I just think, well, why do it? Because you're not going to put any effort in it, and it's just counterproductive. Well, it's funny because last weekend I taught a workshop online on resilience, inner strength, and joyful motivation. And the whole idea of it was just exactly what you're saying. The more you can validate for yourself all these little steps of progress, the more you're just naturally validated. And, you know, it's when people get addicted to the internet and video games, they get lots of little wins along the way. 
and, and actually she motivated and you know somebody can do the um thing that um in some you know somebody watches three years of a Netflix show in one weekend is you know they're just they're getting all these um, dopamine hits and enjoying them so that they're naturally motivated and we can apply that to everything in our life. Um whether it's cleaning your house or getting a degree or, or building a business or whatever it is, learning a language. If you can learn how to enjoy all those steps along the way, and not even enjoy, but appreciate and then enjoy. You know, it's a motivation do you think it's important to accept that sometimes you're going to have a negative fault? Um, you bring up great questions. Um, this is kind of a new agey thing going around where like, I'll meet people and go, oh, I don't allow myself to have negative thoughts. And, and uh, one of my mentors in NLP, and I brought this over to energetic NLP, system around emotions and a big part of it was treating every emotional state as something valuable. Whether it's fear, grief, rage, anger, disappointment, hopelessness, all of them have potential to actually move you forward in life. But so often we start like, oh I shouldn't be thinking this or I have to think positive thoughts or you know that that we cut off a lot of our humanity. Program I did last weekend on joyful motivation. Part of what I talked about is we're not trying to get rid of the other motivations. Sometimes anxiety and fear are fantastic. That's the way I want to live all the time. So, in, in energetic, you know, we, we embrace the richness of human experience because all of it is valuable and there's a concept called emotional chains. And when you validate an emotion and explore what it's about, it, it actually can create a chain to empowering emotions. So no matter where you're starting, whether it's hopelessness or anger or frustration, it can actually drive you into being determined and motivated and happy. And it's just learning how to put that together. That's why I think it's, it's important to keep books and films and that exactly as they were made. Because I think, you know, we might not like the subject. There's lots of subject. Let's like, say slavery. Well, take slavery as an argument. Not, nobody's going to like the subject. But it's something... I don't think we should ignore it. I don't think we should cut it out either. I don't think we should cut it out of a book because it might upset somebody. Because you never learn. Because that's what Hitler tried to do virtually, isn't it? Take... Yeah. I think it's, uh, I know that's probably a stream example, but it's, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I so agree. And, um, and, and it, it's a battle going on in the U.S. now where people don't, not some people, not most people, don't want the truth about things like slavery or, or when the U.S. hasn't been the good guy, like with our Native Americans. Um, you know, and, and a lot of us say, and they go, we well, are attacking America, and we'll go, you know, looking honestly at our history is not attacking America, it's learning from it. And, and you know, and the United States has done a lot of incredibly wonderful things and some really terrible things like every other country. And in fact, I, I used to go to Brazil a lot to a spiritual center, and it was out in rural Brazil. And 
all of a sudden it looked like I was rich. You know, you can have the housekeeper and the cook and or I'm the same person, but um, I remember telling a friend, like, I now understand why, uh, you know, the British had trouble giving up the empire because Washington to live really well. And, you know, and, and even in the movie Gandhi, I don't know if you ever saw it, um, which supposedly they tried to make pretty accurate, and he was talking to the British head of India, um, get the title governor general or something. And in the, in the movie he says to him, he goes, I understand why you don't want to leave India. I, I do, I understand that you need to understand that you're going to have to leave. <laughs> and, and it was just such a beautiful moment because he's going, oh, you're not evil. You know, like you're evil and you're bad suppressing it. He's going to be able to go, I get it. You get rich off of us and you have to live well. Of course you don't, you don't want to give that up. And it's wrong if you're going to have to give up. Yeah, as I said, as I say, I, I, I do see think these, these subjects are worth looking into. And anything that helps people in whatever way to cope with the, what they're going through or life as a general source, I think is worth at least listening to. I think, like you say, like you said, some people go, oh no, I'm not listening to that, that bloke's as mad as a box of frogs. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny, because I mean, there's elements of what I do now that when I first heard about him, because again, I'm a scientist, and I was kind of like, oh, please, you know. But, um, but in terms of working with ourselves and with other people, there's so much potential that we don't get into because you know, it used to be people would just think of it as all being conscious and willpower and then they went, oh, you've got an unconscious mind that's got all this programming. And you, you know, and it, if you work with that, you open up more of your potential and you change the whole way you approach the world and your behaviors and your emotions. And then in energetic NLP we go, it's not just unconscious programming, you literally have energetic programming starting it when you were in the womb, your parents didn't know it, but they were programming you energetically. And they were your parents are programmed to do that. And, and that's not a bad thing. Every child needs to start learning about whatever family and culture they were born into or you're not going to do well. But the kind of people um, who would listen to your show and people who are in my work are people that want to be more authentic. They want to think. They want to grow. In order to do that, we need to be able to change our unconscious programming and also change this energetic programming. It's, um, well, let me give you an example. One of my favorites of the energetic programming is um, study twins. There were identical twins that were separated at birth, and they never knew each other beyond that, had no contact until they were adults. And often, they have amazing parallels in their lives, like similar work. I remember one of them. Their wives both had the first name, first name, and you know, there's all these parallels, and you know what I love is, the scientists are trying to figure this out, and some are trying to go, well, this is genetic, and I'm going, so you think, you have a gene that goes, I'm going to marry a woman named Kathy, and I'm going to be an accountant, you know, it's, you clearly we're interconnected, and, and identical twins will tell you that they're very connected, so to me, that's incredible evidence of this energetic program, because, there's, you know, there's no way they can be influencing one another and get their lives parallel one another. And, and, you know, in incredible details. 
Well, tell me, have you got any books that are out that people may want to look at? Uh, I'm finishing my books, so I have to wait up on mine. Um, uh, I do recommend the books of, of John Friedlander. Um, he's one called Psychic and Psychology. John's that's like a uh, Harvard-trained lawyer who got totally into energy work and psychic work. And quite, he's a very good friend and quite amazing. His books, he's got several of them. Another one, um, uh, uh, sessions either on Facebook or YouTube. So um, uh, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, we need to make money. And um, again, sometimes there people go, well, I don't believe in making money off of helping people. And I go, well, you know, there were societies where if you did that, everybody fed you and took care of you. <laughs> we don't live in those societies. I certainly, we don't even have health care here in the U.S. So, um, um, I like the idea of people being able to do good work and make money. I always say that if Mother Teresa had figured out a way to make money feeding the poor, there would have been big Teresas all over the world feeding the poor. Um, so for me, I do tons of free work. And I paid stuff. But the blockbuster tree is totally free. And like I say, it's if uh, four half-hour videos over four days, and they're packed with they take you through powerful processes that people can never repeat if they want. Have you got a website at the moment, or are you in the process of...? I do have a website. I'm redoing it, but it, it's there. Uh, it's energeticnlp.com. Energeticnlp.com. And, um, and I'm, like, I'm going to be uh, teaching one... Well, I'm going to be the International NLP Conference in London, which is the second weekend in May. I'm teaching a in-person workshop in the Victoria part of London, um, May 28th, and then it'll be followed up with some online programs. And by the way, if you're, I'll send you the information for free, and the, the mood comes, I guess, I'll have you there. But it's called Spiritual Alchemy, and it's going to be a whole day I'm clearing unconscious blocks, energetic blocks, karma, spiritual contracts. Um, he says, Mata, it's going to be an extraordinary day. I know that's not very British to say. Um, 
Conversation. I've, I'd, I'd like. I like to learn things. I like. I like a debate as well. I think I like. I like. I like to keep it a friendly debate, not the where some shows would go for your throat and they would challenge you outright. Oh, you do do do. And I'm thinking, well, no. Actually, listen to the man because if you don't know what you're talking about, you can't criticise it. No, I, well, I'm the same way. I, I love like a. You know, a, a conversation where you really, you don't have to agree, but you're curious about one another. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I was listening to some of your shows. I love the mixture of things you do in your shows and the old Twilight Zones. I was, that's my childhood, so I really love Well, yeah, I, 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 I get that from a script site. It's all from transcripts. I just like doing them because, as, as I say, I'm not, it's just a bit of fun and... And I think like other people like him as well. So. Well, for, for me, part of what's fun about it is when I was young, my father and I would watch the Twilight Zone together, and often he'd be able to figure out what was going to happen, and he'd go, he'd tell me. And then when it would happen, I'd, I'd always go, how did you know that? But it, it taught me to think of things in a different way, like... It's like, okay, there was something to let him know what was going to happen, what was it. And it actually helped me with all my NLP work and with people. It's looking for what are the clues and indications that, that show you what's really going on. And so, um, so Twilight Zone is, is very fond memory for me, so I, I love that you do those. Okay. Right, I uh, shall leave you to do your rest of your day. I hope your trip to the UK goes well. hope it's dry for you. That's the main thing. Well, except for me, you know, when I teach a workshop, I hate it if the weather's good, because then everybody's like, can we go outside? So it's fine with me if you're right. It should be all right. It's, it's, not, it's not too bad, London. I imagine you've been there before, always. Oh, I, I used to go five times a year to teach energetic NLP, so it's a home away from home for me. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not as bad as people portray it. No, and, and I get, you know, friends of mine live in the area, and uh, sometimes I, I go down to Avebury and places like that where there's amazing energies. Highly recommend, and if you've never been to Avebury, it's not too far from Stonehenge. They're not, not as crowded and well, yeah, well, Stonehenge is a bit... It's become a bit of a two-touristy in one way. Yeah. So, a few years ago, we went and um, it was a pouring rain. Best time to go because, we, you know, we, we had all our rain gear and it's like just pouring rain so nobody was there. And we had so much fun. <laughs> you can, they reckon you can actually, when you touch the stones, you can feel energy. Don't they? They reckon you can feel oh. the energy transferring through you a little bit. Yeah. You don't even have to touch them; just be near them, and in your mind connect. In fact, I take people. I haven't done Stonehenge because it's so crowded, but I take people to places like Avery and teach them how to work with the, the energies and the stones. Because 
Yeah, however they did it back then, they're, they're powerful. They're really powerful. Well, oh, the, the caveman brain is still there, but we've forgotten what we did. I think the caveman had more intelligence than we ever credited him for, or is more in tune with the paranormal or the phys metaphysical or, than we were, because they didn't have to... The worries we have now, we have too much science, too much knowledge now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not questioning science, but we have too much of it now, yeah. Well, no, I, I'm with you. There's a lot of, like, primitive cultures where they, uh, you know, worked with energy. They, they, they knew it was real. You know, it was like it wasn't a, a weird thing to them. And with Native Americans, but a lot of the Native cultures. And they've even recently found out that the Neanderthals were a lot smarter and had a, a much more of a of a civilization than we ever thought. You know, they weren't just like... <laughs> no, no, I, I never believed that. Right, I'll thank you for your day. I shall say that's the end bit now.